So if you've got your Bibles with you, which I hope you do, uh, we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 8, and we're going to read verse 4 to 7. Actually, we'll read from verse 1 to 7. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1 to 7. And so over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. Um, Pastor Craig started out with truth is the lifestyle of the kingdom. And we've been looking at various aspects of the kingdom of, of justification and righteousness and being free from condemnation. And so today we're gonna continue looking at the kingdom of God. I'm just gonna bring a little bit of a different aspect to it. And so we're gonna, like I said, start in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse four to seven. And so it says this, uh, just in case you don't know, Samuel was a prophet who God raised up as a judge over Israel. So it says this, when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. So just some understanding here is that prior to this point, Israel never had a king. God himself was their king. And what God would do, like if you read back, I think the there's, like the, there's a book in the Bible called the book of Judges, right? Everyone know the book of Judges? And so God as his king, he would raise up judges to govern his people. He would raise up leaders. He would raise up prophets like Samuel himself to lead his people, to guide his people. But God himself was sovereign over his people. There was not a person who was sovereign over them. He himself was sovereign over them. And so he himself would issue decrees. He himself would issue commands for them to live by, for them to follow. For an example would be when um, Moses writes, another leader established by God, Moses gathered the people around Mount Sinai and God would speak to the people from Mount Sinai. Remember that story where it says that the, the mountain shook and thundered and there was cloud and there was smoke and, and God spoke to them from the mountain and He gave them His royal decrees. He gave them His royal commands and said, as my people, I want you to live by this way. And so the, these guys now, well, let's read on and let's see what they're saying here. So let's read verse six, again, uh, verse five again. And they said to Him, behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. In verse six, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. Listen to this. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Quite crazy if you just even just stop there and think about that. I read again, verse seven. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Verse eight, we read on, according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice, and you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king 
who shall reign over them. And so these people, where they even got this idea is just bewildering, where they would collectively gather together and plot together and scheme together and say, we don't want God to be our king anymore. I mean, and they say, Samuel, you know, you've been a good judge. Um, We've had some good judges. We've had Gideon, we've had Samson, we've had these guys, but we're tired of the judges now. We wanna be like everybody else. We look, we're in the promised land and we look out at the Amorites, we look out at the, the Philistines and they all have a king. You know, and their king leads them out in battle. And so we wanna be like them, we wanna have a king. And interestingly, God concedes. He says, well, if you've rejected me as king, I will give you what you want. And in the very next chapter, he told Samuel, he says, they want a king, but tell them what the king is gonna do to them. And he goes on, if you read in, in um, where, we, where are we? If you read on in, in chapter eight, he tells you how the king is gonna take your sons and he's gonna make them servants in his house. He's gonna take your cattle. He's gonna take your horses for himself. All these things, how the king will serve himself to better himself. And so from that moment on, in the very next chapter, Saul is chosen as the first king of Israel. You know, after Saul, there was David and then David and Solomon, and then it just got like, almost I would say like nasty. If you read the book of Kings, it's just like king after king after king after king who, who not judged, but who ruled over Israel. And their hearts were always far from God. If we look at the original mandate, when, when God was their king and, and he would speak to them and he would issue these royal decrees and we look at the kings who the people chose to rule over them, these natural men, they spoke and they ruled in direct contrast to the, to the mandates that the king of heaven had spoken. And so we see the nation of Israel, like from this moment on, it's just like decline where eventually they, they have all these kings and even foreign kings begin to rule over them. The king of Assyria rules over them. The king of Babylon rules over them. Even the Roman Empire rules over them. And so all the way up until the New Testament, they walk in the consequence of their decision to have a natural king over them. But that was never God's intention. God's intention for His people, for His sons and for His daughters is that He is king. And so even for us, his desire is that he is king, king of our hearts, king of our lives. But I want us to go now to the New Testament, right? So we said Israel had these kings, the people had these kings up until this moment that we're gonna see in Matthew chapter four, verse 17. Jesus has been born into the earth. He's just come out of the wilderness Oh, I'm in Mark. I was like, oh, that doesn't look right. And so Jesus comes out of the wilderness. He begins his ministry. And the very first thing that he preaches is this. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we go back a chapter to Matthew chapter 3, we'll see the very first thing that John the Baptist himself said was the same. In, John, in Matthew chapter three, verse one to two, it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom 
of heaven is at hand. That word at hand means it is near, it is now. And so Jesus didn't just come as the lamb to take away the sins of the world. He didn't just come as the son of God. He didn't just come as the healer. He didn't just come as the redeemer, but he came to the earth as king. And he came to establish a kingdom. He came to, to, to undo the error of the way of the people where they rejected God as king. He now comes and he says, now God will be your king again. And all who believe in me will by default have their father in heaven. They will have me as king over their lives. So Jesus came to the earth as a king. But I wanna verify this by scripture because this is what we do in this church, right? What Pastor Craig says, don't take my opinion. Take the words, well, not the words opinion, what the word says. So we look at three scriptures which establish this truth. The first one is in Isaiah chapter nine, verse 67. And something we'll point out out of all three of them. So Isaiah chapter nine, verse 67, Isaiah the prophet is prophesying about Jesus to come. And he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So Isaiah prophesies that when Jesus comes, he comes to, what we saw in verse seven, he comes to establish his throne. He comes to establish a kingdom. Next scripture, Matthew chapter two, verse one to two. This is the story of the three wise men. It says this, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, listen to this, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. And then the last one is in John chapter 18, verse 33 to 37. Jesus is, just before his crucifixion, he's having this dialogue with Pilate. And it says, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were not of this world, sorry, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. Listen to this for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And so in all three of these scriptures, they reference 
a child who is born as a king. Isaiah, unto us a child is born, a son is given. Of, the, of his kingdom, there will be no end. The wise men come, they say, a child, uh, the, uh, the king of the Jews has been born. And Jesus himself says, for this reason I was born into the earth to be a king. Why this is really important is because a large part of the church don't believe that the kingdom of God is now. They believe that Jesus is king in heaven and that when he comes in his second coming, he will then be king over earth and he will then establish his kingdom. But that's error. What I want us to see is that Jesus was born into the earth as a king. He came as a king to establish a kingdom. It's very, very important that we understand it. And so as Pastor Craig said, there are different kingdoms at work in the earth now. You and I, we belong to the kingdom of God. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. Outside of this place, outside of maybe even in this place, there's some who belong to the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says. Some belong to the United Kingdom. Some belong to the kingdom of America, the kingdom of, we don't, call them kingdoms anymore, except for the English, no offense to English. <laughs> um, you know, but there's these kingdoms which we affiliate ourselves to. But the kingdom of God is now. And we see Jesus, even again, he, he emphasizes this in the model prayer in Matthew chapter six, verse 10. The, the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He says, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so God's kingdom is here now. Amen. You are in the kingdom now. It's not the kingdom to come. You are already in the kingdom. So what does that mean? I can enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of God on this earth now. And that's what I hate about that, that era where people don't believe that the kingdom of God is like, because it's so pessimistic. You know, it's so... Woe is me, it's, so, it's like a defeated theology where it's like we just endure now, we, we just, you know, we, we, we subject to the, to the whims of this world, whatever comes against us, we have nothing to stand up against. And we say, but when we get to heaven, one beautiful day, and we enter the glorious kingdom of God, then all our sickness will go away. So religiously beautiful, you know, and, and so, and then our sins shall be forgiven. Yo, guys, I had a, <laughs> so we get some strange people come to the gate. Um, sometimes. So I had a guy last week, he came to the gate. He's like, hi, so um, can I speak to a pastor? I'm like, yeah, you can speak to me. So he's like, yeah, we, my name's Joseph, I think it was. And we're from this church called Hope Church. It's a, it's a ministry in South Korea called New Heavens and New Earth. And so we, we offer these teachings on the book of Revelation and, and the parables of Jesus to the churches and to the pastors. It's like, okay, tell me more about that. And he begins to go, and, well, there's this guy in South Korea. He had um, a, a, a revelation about the book of Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> He's the second witness and he's written about it. And so he's, he's, he's done this whole teaching on, on Revelation. So I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like a cult, you know. You know? 
And he's like, yeah, people have said that about us. <laughs> but anyway, his whole thing is like Romans 10 verse 17, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth and you will be saved. He says, no, no, that's not for now. You, you, you can say that now, but it's only when he comes in his kingdom. Then will you be saved. So you're not saved now. Unless you, you know, and the only way in, it's like crazy, only way in is to believe the doctrine of this Korean guy. <laughs> he says like, what do you say? It's like, when he talks about those who are born again of the spirit and of the word, of the water, water and the spirit will enter the kingdom of God. So he says, yeah, the spirit is the Holy Spirit, but the water is the word of this guy, not the word of the Bible, you know. And then you enter the kingdom of God. You know, and so that's an extreme example where it's like there's cults that you know, Jehovah's Witness as well, kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, you know. But even religious people put the, the, the kingdom off to a, to a future time, to a future destination, to a future experience. And so, and that's why I'm just laboring this because it's really, really important. That's not true. The kingdom, when Jesus was born into the earth, boom, the kingdom of God came. He was born a king. You are in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is in you now. And so as it is in his kingdom, we have it now. There's no sickness in his kingdom. There's no lack in his kingdom. There's no strife in his kingdom. There's no anxiety. There's no depression. None of that nonsense is in his kingdom. These things we experience now. And so if you had to break down the word kingdom, it just very simply means it's the king's domain. Say it again. The word kingdom means the king's domain. And so I'll read from my notes. The kingdom is the realm of domain that a king has power, authority, and influence over. The kingdom is the realm of domain that a king has power, authority, and influence over. When we look back in history, whenever a king would explore new territory, he would establish his domain there. He would seek to expand his kingdom. And so, Let's take the Roman Empire, for example, the Roman kingdom. They would go and they would conquer nations. Like Israel, for example, the Romans were in rule over, over Israel because they'd gone there and they'd conquered. But when they go to a foreign territory, when they go to a foreign land, they seek to establish a way of living in that place that looks like the territory they've come from. Um, probably the very good example is for us, right, why do we drive on the left-hand side of the road? Because that's how they drove on the left-hand side of the road in the United Kingdom. Why am I speaking English? Because there was a kingdom, the United Kingdom, some would call it colonialism, you know, I was, I was thinking about this morning, like, those guys, like those colonialism guys, if they really want to like, you know, be anti-colonialism, they should drive on the wrong side of the road. Because <laughs> the UK, it's the United Kingdom told us to drive on the left-hand side of the road. 
And so then we drive on the left-hand side of the road. That's why we know. We, their culture, their value system was immersed into us as South Africans. And so wherever they colonized or whatever, whatever the name you want to call it, Australia, New Zealand, you know, we all do the same things. We all drive on the left-hand side of the road because we were influenced by the culture of a kingdom. I think probably today we don't, like I said, other than the United Kingdom, we don't really call places or countries kingdoms. We'd rather call them political powers. But they still seek to influence. Um, not necessarily by military might. And so, for example, a very good example is the United States of America. The, the culture of the United States of America has a global influence. They have, as, as a kingdom, they've established themselves. Like, there's a McDonald's in every single, like, country of, like, even in Saudi Arabia, there's McDonald's, you know. In Russia, I think they, they took it out now, but in, even in Russia, there was a McDonald's, you know. And so through, through media, through music, they've established, I mean, if you go to any kid outside on the streets and you tell him to rap for you, right, he'll start rapping in an American accent. <laughs> Guaranteed. Like, yo, 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 when I was with my dogs, walking down the road, it was kind of hot. How do you like that one? Is it cool? <laughs> you know? And, and that's so true. And so that's what a kingdom does. It establishes a way of living. And so it's no different with Jesus' kingdom. One of the key aspects of being in the kingdom is living in a, in, in a certain lifestyle, living in a certain way, living according to certain principles, living according to certain statutes that have in, been instituted by our kingdom, by the Father in heaven, the, king, the kingdom of God in us. That makes sense. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, talking about when we get born again, it says this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So when we are born again, we are transferred. That word domain means the authority, the power of darkness. We are transferred. We are moved out of that place to another place. We are moved into the kingdom of God. And I think that's the major difference we see between Jesus and the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world seek to take territory and then influence their um, domain. But Jesus influences the domain of the kingdom through the hearts of mankind. And so when we get born again, we are translated, transferred into this kingdom and the kingdom of God is now at work within me. The kingdom of God now begins to, to influence the way I live, right? So now I begin to drive, maybe in heaven they drive on the right-hand side of the road. So, <laughs> no, we don't drive on the right-hand side of the road. But you know what I'm saying. So but let's go, I wanna see something. I want us to see something. If we go back to Matthew chapter four, verse 17. So we are in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at work within us. Is everybody following so long, so far? 
So read again Matthew chapter four, verse 17. I want us to focus on a particular word here. So it says that from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent, it goes a lot deeper than just being sorry for sin. That word repent, it literally means this. It means to change, to be changed after being with or to think differently after. So once I encounter the king, once I encounter the kingdom of God, so think about this. Before I entered the kingdom, I did things in a certain way. I rapped in an American accent. You know, I, I did this and I, and, I, and I thought like this and I ate like this and I governed my life according to a kingdom that is an influence over me. What Jesus is saying now is like, now you gotta repent. You gotta change the way you think about yourself. You gotta change your lifestyle. You gotta change your actions. You gotta change yourself from being out of the kingdom of darkness. And now you gotta start to think like a kingdom citizen. And so what does that mean? I've been transferred into the kingdom of God. How am I now supposed to live? What are the, what are the, 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 the governing influences of my life? What are the principles that I'm supposed to live according to? Because I look at the, the kingdom of darkness and it's like, do whatever you want to anybody. Do whatever you want to yourself, whatever pleases you. You know, just go for it, it's fine. Hedonism, self-indulgence. Now that's the kingdom principles of darkness. But now I've been separated from that and I can no longer do those things anymore because it's not, I'm not a citizen of that kingdom anymore. And so I, to repent, what Jesus is saying here, he says like, I gotta change my former way of thinking. I gotta turn, I gotta turn to cause, my, blah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'll just read it. <laughs> means to change my former way of thinking, which in turn causes me to change my actions, my belief system, and my direction in life. Romans 12 verse two, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what does that mean? It doesn't mean I'm no longer a South African citizen. It doesn't mean I'm no longer an American citizen. It doesn't mean I'm no longer in the world. It means I'm a kingdom citizen within this nation. You can even call it within a foreign nation. The Bible actually says that, that we are sojourners, foreigners on this earth. It's in Hebrews, I think 10 or 13, somewhere around there in Hebrews. Anyway. So when God was king over Israel, he governed them by certain principles. And so we too are to be governed by certain principles. And we know that these principles are found in the word, right? particularly through the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. If you read Matthew, it's, it's crazy. Like almost every second chapter is like, the kingdom of God is like a tree. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. And so Jesus, he, he not only comes to establish his kingdom, but he also begins to teach us about his kingdom. And he teaches us how to live in his kingdom, what that kingdom looks like, how that way of living is in his kingdom. All right, so I wanna challenge us 
as we kind of shift gears a little bit, and I want to ask you a rhetorical question. Would you step out of church today and drive up on the right-hand side of the road? I don't think any one of us. You know, back of our mind is that waiting for the you know, we know it's against the authority of the kingdom of South Africa. That is the rule written. That is the rule. We listen to the commands of this country, but when our king asks us to do something, we don't do it. We are no longer king, citizens of the kingdom of this world. The scary thing is we, we acknowledge Jesus as king through our words, even through our songs, but not through our actions. And so the gospel set out very clear guidelines on what the kingdom of God looks like and how to live in it. But so often we take these as suggestions or as something we do when we feel like it. We do not see them in their true light as the king's way of living in his kingdom. As the people of God, even though we submit to a natural authority when we are born again, the authority of Jesus' kingship should reign supreme in us. And so we read these things in the Gospels. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. And then I step out and I do exactly the opposite of what my king has asked me to do. And, and this is a bit heavy for a Sunday morning, but it's good. <laughs> we read First Samuel chapter 8, and we were all in a gasp. Oh, these guys are rejecting God as king. Are we no different? When he says, if you even look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. Do we turn our heads the other way? If your brother takes your goods, if he hits you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. If your brother sins against you 70 times, forgive. This is the way of the kingdom. And we as kingdom citizens, this is the way that we are called to live. So why, why, why don't we obey when the king speaks? Why don't we obey the, the kingdom principles set out for us? Now God says, drive on the right-hand side, but we still drive on the left. Why? I want us to go back to 1 Samuel chapter, where we were in verse seven, but let's look at verse eight. It's almost a, 
It's a very challenging truth. First Samuel chapter eight, let's read from verse 19. It says, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us. Listen to this, that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And we read the beginning of verse 20 and that we also may be like all the nations. And so you see, here's the thing about the kingdom of God, the principles of the kingdom of God. They are so anti the kingdoms of this world. They are like, we even call it the upside down kingdom, right? If you've heard that phrase or the kingdom in reverse. It's like, it's like in the world, you know, in the kingdom of the world, it's like do whatever you need to do to get to this top. You know, cheat, lie, step on, you know, make your way to the top. In the kingdom of God, it says go low, serve. You know, the one who, 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 who makes himself low is the one who gets honoured. In here it says, you know, if you, want, if you want more, just accumulate, just accumulate, 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 build yourself, build your empire. Here the kingdom says, if you want more, give everything away. You know, it's, it's like, this is the thing, the kingdom principles separate us from the world. And if there's an inclination in us for the world, if there's a desire in me, this is where it comes down to. If there's a desire in me for the world, I won't obey the principles of the kingdom because I know they're gonna separate me from that. I've got one foot in the kingdom of the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. And I, and I hear the king He's speaking to me. I, I, I hear the messages. I, I read the word and it, and it pierces me and it convicts me. But I can't take my foot out of the kingdom of this world because my affections are anchored there. It has me. It has a part of my heart. Matthew chapter 6 Verse 24, Jesus puts it very bluntly. No one can serve two masters. He's using money as a reference, but it's applicable. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot have two kings. That's just it. In God's realm, there's no dual citizenship. You're either in or you're on your way out. You're either in or you're on your way out. You might not be out yet. But if you don't make a choice to honor him as king, to honor his kingdom, it's a, it's a slippery, it's a slippery road. And this is like the, it's the 
It's the craziest thing. He said, once we've tasted freedom, we crave slavery. We get born again. Oh, this is amazing. So much freedom, so much joy, so much peace. We abandon ourselves to the king. We abandon whatever you say, Lord. Use me, God. Send me. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And we give up our friends and we give up the music and we give up the movies and we give up the habits. We give up everything to pursue this king. And then we begin to look over our shoulder and we begin to crave slavery. We begin to crave the, the thing which put me in depression before. It's like we lose our memory or something. It's like that thing which hurt me so much. Oh, let me just, let me just taste it. See what it tastes like. Maybe it's different this time. I mean, put our foot back in the kingdom of darkness. Back into the kingdom of the world, swayed by media, swayed. LGBTQT, you know, this is how we must think, you know. Sure. I must be politically correct to win my brothers over to Christ. It's like, become under the influence. And Jesus is saying, repent. Change the way you think about that thing. It's not of my kingdom. That is the kingdom of the world. That is the kingdom. The kingdom of darkness is designed to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Bottom line. It promises everything but delivers nothing. It's bondage, it's death, it's slavery, it's depression, it's anxiety, it's sickness. That's where it will lead to. But the kingdom of God is life, it's peace, it's joy, it's righteousness, it's eternal salvation. Make a decision. Luke chapter 9. Verse 57 to 62. It says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, listen, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We've got our hand in me. It reminds me of Lot's wife. Angel, like they're leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. Angel says, do not look back. Next scripture. And Lot's wife looked back. 
turns into a pillar of salt. Stop looking back at slavery. Stop looking back at the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world, the influence that it had over your life. Put your hand to the plow. Press forward. Now the Bible says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the, the perfecter and the author of our faith. Look unto Jesus. Turn to him. Stop looking back. These, these kingdom principles, Pastor Craig said it, truth is the lifestyle of the kingdom. Stop running away from your Bible. Stop running away from the teachings of Jesus. Even the, man, have you heard this nonsense? People in the church, the, 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 the teachings of Jesus are old covenant. Um, therefore, we don't have to follow them. Only from, book, from the book of Acts onwards, the, the writings of Paul. Hyper grace. Let the kingdom of God infiltrate you. Let the king have his domain in you. He's not looking for land. The earth belongs to him already. He's looking for you. He wants to conquer your heart. And he's not an oppressive king. It's not going to subject you to slavery. It's, it's, again, it's like repent, change. But if I'm not even reading about the kingdom, if I don't know the king, that's my concept of him. You're putting all these laws in place because you're trying to control me. You're trying to subject me to a certain way and that's so boring and, and so isolated. It's lies. Kingdom is life. You are a kingdom citizen. You've been translated out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And, and I encourage you today, make a decision. Like I said, there is no dual citizenship with God. You're either in or you're on your way out. With there's just such an urgency on my heart. I implore you, I beg of you, make a decision today, please. It's, it's not a game. You know, you might say, well, Lord, this is very offensive, what you're saying. Rather be offended by truth than go to hell. Because that's what will happen. And so I don't know, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you think, oh, shucks, okay, I like looking at women, so I'm going to skip that one. Uh, and one pastor said like this, is like Jesus is holding out a sword. He says, come here. We've got to walk into the sword sometimes. 
and let it kill the flesh. Let it kill the desires that hold us back from him.